We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
worship, Father. You alone are worthy, Lord. We love you. Because of mercy, I'm overwhelmed. 
life overwhelms us. How many know what I'm talking about? And we get in spots where it just seems life. I saw this the other day. If you have time to worry and be anxious, you also have time to pray. Amen. And sometimes when it seems like life is overwhelming you, we've got to take a time and be overwhelmed by him. And, and running into his arms, right? active in our life when life worries and life brings anxious and life seems just alright now I can pray I can invoke the God of the universe on my behalf and I can get into his presence right and I can get into a place that instead of being overwhelmed by life I'm overwhelmed by him because he is all that I need amen so how about this I had to go back to that course in a second. If you're here this morning and you're feeling overwhelmed by life, anybody here feels that way today? Okay. You're feeling overwhelmed by life. How about this? Let's just take a couple moments and be overwhelmed in his presence. Because what will happen is he'll restore that sense of peace right here. That's going to be all right because he is bigger than anything that we can face, right? His promises that carry us all the way through are still true. They haven't changed. When life is overwhelming, he's still God. When life's overwhelming, it didn't change anything about him. As a matter of fact, he knows exactly what's happening in your life that you're feeling overwhelmed by. And you know what? He's not scared by it. It's not worrying him, right? All, all he wants to do is just be there with you. What? To bring you through. Because he will do that. Amen? So, so if you got some cares in life, just take a moment and lift those cares up to him. Lord Jesus, so many different things could be happening to different people that are just here this morning. But we are your children. You are our Father. You are our God. And I pray right now as we go back into this course, Lord, that we have a sense of peace and security, contentment, Lord, that you are going to bring us through no matter what is happening. Because you're God. And you're bigger than everything. So today we praise you and we worship you and we ask that your Holy Spirit is very real to each one of us today. Reassuring us of our place in you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Sing, sing that part again about being overwhelmed by you. You are beautiful. You are beautiful. Oh God, there is no one more beautiful. 
over and over again that water comes from the rock. And if you've been in a desert, that doesn't mean that you're not in his will. He brought the Israelites out. He will provide a way where there seems to be no way for you. So take courage that you serve a God who will never leave you. You serve a God who will always provide for you. He has not forgotten you and be patient. And when he says to tap the rock, do not strike it. Do not get anxious. Do not get, don't get lazy. Don't get, um, I'm trying to think of the right word here. Be patient. And then when he calls you forth, do things in the way that he called it not the way that you want it to be done. Don't jump the gun, there it is. Don't jump the gun and strike the rock. He will never let you thirst for too long. He will never put you in a situation that is too hard for you. If you are in this desert, he knows you're gonna make it out. Dig a well where you are. Dig a well in him, get in the word, seek him and he will show you the way. So go to the other side of the house because it's sunny over there. He's saying, don't get stuck in the mud. He's been doing a certain thing for a certain time for you for a, an amount of time, but he's doing a new thing now. And he says, don't get stuck looking for him this way and miss him on the other side. Just as they were fishing on the wrong side of the boat and catching no fish, he said, just cast your nets on this side because he had a plan. And if they would have gotten stuck and said, no, 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 this is where they are. We know we're professional fishermen. This is where we know to catch the fish. They would have missed the miracle that he was getting ready to do. So he's saying, don't get stuck looking in that old way, but look for him in a new place because he's doing a new thing and you don't want to miss what he's going to do.
of you in the pocket and just hand it to an usher so we can get to know you. Go around and greet some of your family of faith this morning.
Right, amen. By the way, live streamers, we got live streamers back. That's good to have them back. And uh, by the way, live streamers, if the audio is still being worked out, we're figuring it out, but they're telling me it sounds good today. So keep working with us. I appreciate it. All right, tithe and offering time. If you have something to give today, please prepare it. If you need an offering envelope, you can look in the chairs in front of you. There should be some there. If there's not, wave your hand around and one of our uh, ushers will help you out. But uh, I don't know about you, but I like to give. Anybody else like to give? I love to give. And there's just, there's just something about it. You know, Paul, Paul wrote... Paul wrote, godliness with contentment is great gain, right? Godliness plus contentment is great gain. I found, I found that people who are content are very willing in giving. They're not anxious about money and things like that. When you're content, but how is it you're content? Because you know God. And when you know God, you become content. And you don't, you know, I'm, 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 I'm all for uh, people achieving things in life. I'm all, I, hope, I hope tomorrow you go to work and you all get a raise. I hope you, I hope you, do, do, I hope you get all that stuff. I'm, I'm all about that. I hope, I hope you achieve things in life. But don't get wrapped up in the rat race. Because life ultimately isn't about that. It's okay to chase things and, and, and be after achievement and, and things, that, but as long as that's not what your life is all about, as long as it's in its proper place, right? And when that stuff's in its proper place, then you'll be content because you know God will provide no matter what, right? And then when you're content, man, people are, who are content, it's easy for them to give. And I'm not, again, we talk about giving. It's not just about this. It's about living a life. That is, that is outward in nature because of what God is doing. Amen? I'm going to have Chamberlain pray over tithe and offering today while he's up here. Can you handle Can you do both at the same time? Probably not. Probably not. Okay. It's like, it's like patting your head and rubbing. I don't know. Anyways, go ahead. Father, I just pray over the offering this morning. God, I pray that you would bless it going in, bless it going out. Lord, I just pray that we give with the a cheerful heart, Lord, that it's not about the amount or a show of what we put in, Lord, but what our heart is towards you, God. God, I pray that the offering is just the start of what we offer to you, Lord, that we offer our time and our life to you. God, I just pray that you'd bless the offering going out, Lord, that it would get to the hands that need it, Father, that we are your church in your hands. Lord, I just thank you and I love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chamberlain. If you have something, bring it on down today. We appreciate your giving and your faithfulness and, and uh, your faithfulness and your giving, your attendance, your, your participating in dream teams here. I appreciate everything you do to make this church go. And, uh, you know, it's, it's all about what we're doing together with Jesus. Amen. All right. Some announcements real quick uh, while we're finishing up the giving. Um, uh, we did baptism a week ago, right? It was last Sunday, right? So that, that was a great time. How many of y'all enjoyed witnessing the, those who were being baptized? So I know there were some that wanted to and didn't get to. So 
baptism again on May the 30th, the last Sunday of this month. It's, it's May, right? All right, welcome to May. That's good. So the last Sunday of this month, May 30th, we're going to have another water baptism right after church. Again, there's a sign-up sheet on the back table. And uh, so those of you that weren't able to be here yesterday or last week, we'll take care of it May 30th and just do the same thing over again. But that's good, right? Amen. That's good. All right. So uh, having said that, also, if you're interested in becoming a member here at Only Believe at Urbana, and and, uh, and we, want, we want you to because... Uh, Membership at a church is simply a, a dedication and a commitment to participation. That's all it is. That's what membership is about. But if you want to be a member here at the church and you're not currently a member, uh, also on May the 30th, this last Sunday, when we're done with water baptism, we'll have what we call next steps. And that's sort of our membership introduction. So if you're interested in that and want to become a member, also on the back table, sign up back there. And by the way, if you've been a member here forever, but you want to see what Next Steps is about, go ahead and come out to that. We'll bring some food in based on the sign-up and just spend probably an hour, hour, 15, 20 minutes together just talking about what it means to be a member here at this church and what it means to be a participant because membership in a church is just not coming and sitting here because you receive when you come to church, but you're also supposed to give when you come to church. And I'm not talking about the money. I'm talking about participation. All right, so if, if you want to call this your church home, come on to the next steps. So there's a sign sheet for that at the back table. Uh, let's see. All right, so uh, we've been talking about some needs for, for some volunteers. Um, ushers, we're, we're taken care of. Thank you. But now we need to ramp it up on the nursery deal. So, again, what we're looking for is some people um, that can help us wash the littlest of the little during kids' church. We're going to start this on Sundays, and eventually when we have enough to do it Wednesdays also. Uh, so one time a month, and if we get enough, less than one time a month. But we'll start with the idea of one time a month, helping us out. Al's got a sign-up sheet, and while I'm, I'm speaking and whatnot, just pass it around the room, and we'd like to start that uh, as soon as possible. And, and, once, and we'll have some training. We'll go through the whole deal, what it's all about, and teach you about it. Then we'll institute it. And, and obviously, we're in May, so... By the way, if, if everything goes the way it's supposed to, by the end of this month, the senior center should be moving into their building if things aren't delayed. So we're praying that they're, they're, they're getting what they want. And, but that also means we can renovate the kids' church in the basement, and we have the opportunity to split age groups up in class. It's just going to be phenomenal. So, um, and all the parents and teachers are like, yeah. So anyways, uh, we'll be looking to expand our volunteers, but we wanted to start with the littlest right now so we can help out our teachers and, and our teachers. Uh, you guys, when we started uh, revamping the kids' church a while ago, you guys stepped up to the plate. It was phenomenal. Now we're ready to, to keep going. So, uh, and we love our kids, and, and if we're not teaching our kids, then we got no future. And we want to have a future because, well, they're in Jesus, and that's what it's about. So go ahead and sign up if you're interested in the nursery. Um, a couple other things. Uh, how many of you guys are, know who Mark Dunphy is? Anybody? You guys know? The last Wednesday of this month, Mark's going to be with us uh, sharing, so you can look forward to that. So what's happening is um, the 23rd of May is Pentecost Sunday. Did you know that? It's church calendar Pentecost Sunday. So uh, at OBM, at the Bacchus Church, they always have uh, the week of Pentecost. So Sunday night, they have Mark Dunphy. Monday, uh, Tim Bagwell. Tuesday, Tim Bagwell. So you guys were invited to go. Those are, I think, 6.30 on Sunday, yep. then 7 and 7. Yep. 
you're invited, but then Mark's staying through and he's gonna come here Wednesday and be with us. So if you wanna come over for those services on Sunday night, Monday and Tuesday, that's great, but Mark will be here Wednesday with us that week. So that's what's happening. So we'll look forward to having him and he's just, if you know Mark, he's just Mark, you know, Pastor Mark. He's, a, he's pretty amazing. So anyways, um, and then also I've been getting word of, of the main campus youth camps for this summer, middle school and high school. So if, if, if your kids are interested in going to youth camp this year, we'll, we'll give you the information about that. So just bear in mind they have some things coming your way. And let's see. By the way, I heard the guys had fun bowling. Yeah. If you guys, all right. So they, they want to go. Uh, to a place called Top Golf, which is a uh, driving range down by Cincinnati. So if you're interested in doing that, see Josh or Mike, and they want to kind of see what the interest is and gauge it. And if there's enough interest, they'll put that together. So um, I know the ladies are going to have an event at the beginning of June. And the youth, we're going to have an event soon. And guys, we haven't been doing anything with the guys because every time we come work on the building, we're together anyway. So. Um, but now that's kind of wrapping up. We'll get back to doing some things with the guys. And, and then yesterday, um, uh, those of you that helped out over at the, the nursing home with the Sunshine Group cleaning up the property and prepping it, thank you so much. Uh, I heard you guys did a great job. And there's still a little more work to do, but they'll, they'll take care of it and let you know about that as that's coming. All right. That was a lot to say. I hate announcements. Anyways, all right. So get your Bibles out. If you have a word, thank you, Chamberlain. We're going to get into our series and get back to it. anyways. But let me just say something real quick as you're getting your Bibles out. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 13 and uh, verse number one today. Uh, if you're new to uh, our church, just to, just to give you maybe a little background, um, if you guys saw that Judah came up today and shared something, um, we believe in the active work of the gifts of the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit found in 1 Corinthians 12. And, and uh, you got nine gifts to the Spirit. I, by the way, later this summer on a Sunday, uh, we're going to do a Sunday series on the Holy Spirit. Then we're going to match it up with a Wednesday series on the gifts to the Spirit and things of that nature. That will come later. But uh, just to give a little background. What's happening is 1 Corinthians 14, structure of the church. There is room for the active work in the gifts of the Spirit through people in the church. Okay? And that comes in the form of the verbal gifts. It could be... Uh, Wisdom, knowledge, prophecy. Okay? In a church service, uh, Paul would structure two or three, would be allowed to, to have a, a word. The nature of those things is always encouraging, by the way. It's never correcting, never negative. But by the way, we think of prophecy, we always think of foretelling. Foretelling and prophecy isn't the nature of prophecy. Prophecy is always bringing back to the word. Okay, that's, that's the nature of the gift of prophecy and the opposite of prophecy. They're different, but they work in the same, same vein. But what, what you saw was an encouraging word that was the unction of the Holy Spirit. All right, so in our structure, Samara is our worship leader. She has the freedom to say what she wants because I trust her. But outside of Samara, I don't let people just come down here and start teaching and talking and say what they want. That's not structure. So when somebody comes down, they would say, I have a word in my discernment to say, okay, you can share it. And, and it's always to be the unction of the Holy Spirit. It's not just, hey, the other day in my devotion, now you're teaching. There's only one person teaching today. That's me. 
If you want to teach, we'll, we'll talk about that. But it's only the unction of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that's what's happening. So, and then what you do is when you hear those things, you judge it in your heart. Now, for instance, what Judas said, you can sit there and go, yep, nope, ah, eh, okay, then yep, nope, and not. Judge it in your heart. Does that make sense? If, if it's way off key, and it wasn't, it was, it was right, then my job is to come up and judge it from here and say, hey, we appreciate, but that was not a word from God. And I've, unfortunately, in the past, I've had to do those things. It's never harsh, but we learn together, but we have room to grow together in those things, right? So anyways, I just wanted to explain what's happening. If that's new to you, this is not open mic down here. You can't just come up and share what you want. It's not the nature of it. And we discern it together. I judge it, and then we just go on. But, but a lot of times what that does is you receive it, and the Lord is speaking something for a reason. It may be for the house. It may be for certain aspects of people in the house. If it's just for you, then you shouldn't be sharing it. Does that make sense? So that's what, anyways, we'll get into that stuff and teach about it sometime. Anyways, all right, uh, the parables of Jesus, Matthew chapter 13. Uh, we're going to be in the, the series for a little while. I want to talk about the parables. The parables paint a big picture of the kingdom of God, how the kingdom of God works, and what the kingdom of God is about. Amen. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are interchangeable uh, 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 words, and, and uh, you find both in the Gospels. But Jesus came and he inaugurated the kingdom of God. In his work on the cross and the resurrection, it puts the stamp on the kingdom. It, it brings the work of the kingdom in, in, in a place where it is flourishing. Okay? But the kingdom of God, in context of Old Testament, uh, it, it, you see what God is doing in Old Testament, calling certain people to a certain place uh, uh, for a certain purpose. They are the people of God being brought out of the world. But then Jesus comes and he starts to bring big picture at the kingdom of God. So he's opening up what we see in the Old Testament. He's the fulfillment of it. Then he opens up to what it's really all about completely. That makes sense. But Jesus starts to teach about the kingdom, and he does it in different ways. So you have something like the Sermon on the Mount, let's say. Uh, uh, you got Matthew chapter 5 through 7. Uh, it's the longest continual teaching of Jesus recorded in the Gospels, and, and he's teaching. But more often than not, when Jesus is talking about the kingdom, he talks in parables. Parable is some sort of a story that has a particular truth to it, but it's not just to hear a truth, but it's supposed to draw you into the kingdom. It's not knowledge to, to, to just attain, but to draw you in, in here. You see what I'm getting at? And these parables are not nice, neat theological boxes. So Jesus doesn't come in and give us ten bullet points about the kingdom. He gives you pictures of the kingdom that over time they kind of put together like a puzzle or a painting. A bigger picture is happening. So the parables of Jesus work together to give us an idea of what the kingdom of God is like, what it's about, and how it works. And he just didn't come in there and just drop these truth bombs all the time. Boom! And blow everybody up. What he, he was kind of steering them in a certain way, and it still made them mad because they killed him. You see what I'm saying? He, he has taken 
the truth of what we know, Old Covenant, Old Testament, what we find in recorded Old Testament, and he's taken it where it should go, but it was starting to veer off what it was, so he's bringing it back. This is the true fulfillment of it. Different than what they thought, the application was different, how it was going to work was different than what they thought, so he's steering it to where it should be. It was, it was. And one of the ways he does it is with the parables. So we're going to talk about parables uh, for a little while here. So today, uh, I want to take time in the parable of the sower, Matthew 13. We'll see if we get through this entire thing today. Uh, it's got some different points to it that we want to talk about. But Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 1, it says, The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, and here's one of them, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. And other seeds fell on the rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. When the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. And other seed fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, Jesus it, it goes on to explain to the disciples what this means. We'll get there in a minute. But he who has ears, let him hear. You understand that Jesus is not talking about these ears right here. It is, but that's not what he's getting at. He who has ears, let him hear. To start to grasp the meaning of the kingdom and what it's about, again, how it works and, and what it produces. So to, to grab hold of revelation and to let like the light bulb start popping in your mind. That's what he's saying. If you got ears here but just don't hear, because a lot of people that heard but didn't understand. Ears that hear, you're open to perceive and catch it. And, and let, let it kind of grow in you. And the parable of the sower is one of the foundational parables of how the kingdom of God works. And, and Jesus in his parables obviously was, was using uh, uh, things that people would have known of. So agriculturally, the Israelites would have known agriculture. Right? So he speaks to them in things that they would understand culturally. And this is one of them. So the parable of the sower is, a, is a, uh, uh, a way of saying the kingdom of God is something that grows from revelation. When revelation gets in you, it has the opportunity to take root and grow within you. That's how the kingdom works. See, the kingdom of God is where? Within you. Then the kingdom of God has an opportunity then to work through you and kind of swirl around you, things we'll talk about over the next few weeks. So the parable of the sower, there are four different kinds of soil. And you can see uh, Matthew 13, uh, the parallels in, in uh, Mark chapter 4 and Luke chapter 8, I believe, the synoptic gospels, uh, the parable of the sower is in all of these. They're, they're, they're slightly a little different, I believe, in Luke than Matthew 13, but pretty much they're all the same way. Let's talk about this. So if you got ears to hear, let's listen to what the Spirit says about the kingdom of God 
in the parable to the sower. So the first soil, let's talk about it. Oh, by the way, before the first story, the sower goes out to sow. Who's, who, who's the sower? God. God is always active. God is never inactive. God is always sowing seed. In other words, revelation. What is the seed that God is sowing? It is the word of God. It is, it is the message of the kingdom. It is initially the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what's being sown. Because the first, the first seed uh, that went along uh, the, the first path that was hard, when it didn't take root, uh, Luke would say that, um, that they would not believe and be saved. So the very first step of all revelation is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what God is trying to sow. That's what the Holy Spirit now is working in our words, is sowing these seeds, right? So God is always active. He's ever seeking to break into our world with initially the gospel of Jesus and the revelation of who he is and what he's about, his kingdom, therefore, after that. But God is always active with the word, the message of the kingdom. And we're glad for that. That God didn't leave us alone to our own fate. He didn't get angry at us in our sin and just cast us off. But God loves us so much that he would make a way to be back into our life if we have ears to hear and understand and grab hold of it. You, you, you ever, uh, I don't know, it could be in a lot of contexts. Have you ever been with somebody and you're in this, so it's sort of like this. I, I hear families, let's put it this way. I hear families where kids grew up in the same household, same parents, same rules and everything. And one kid is like, man, I had a great childhood. No, the kid is like, my parents were, were jerks. It was the worst thing ever. They scarred me for life. You ever been around people like that? Same situation, but different perception. Right? Do you know, you know, two people will be sitting next to each other. God is saying the same thing. The presence of God is here doing the same thing. One person is perceiving, the other is like, where's God at? What's God doing? What's he up to? I'm not feeling anything. I'm not getting anything. Do you have ears to hear? Right here. Can you perceive what he's up to? So the Holy Spirit is constantly, at this juncture, constantly trying to break into our world. That's what he does. But those who perceive and catch it, the kingdom has an opportunity to take root. So that first soil, let's look at it. It says, and he told him many parables, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. That's pretty simple. It was thrown along a path, Luke says, and they was trampled underfoot, and then nothing happened with the seed. It just sat there. Nothing happened to cause it to begin to germinate and, and, and grow and catch roots and, and bring up a harvest. Nothing happened. And as birds do, they're always looking for something to eat. They come and eat the seed. I've sown grass seed in my yard in, in just the terrible way that I do it. And I may try to get it. And before long, there's all these birds in my yard. Thanks a lot, birds. You know, they're eating my seed. It's not going to produce anything. So what Jesus says about that, if you want to jump down to... Uh, Verse number 19. 
So here the parable of the sower, that's verse 18. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and satches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So when they don't understand, it's not a, a mental ignorance. Okay? It's not like uh, this person didn't have the mental capacity to receive it. Again, they didn't understand it here. And they never took it in, as Luke would say, and believed. They heard the message of the kingdom. They heard the gospel of Jesus, and they did not receive it. And then the birds of the air are symbolic of who? The enemy. And the enemy will come snatch away that seed so it does not linger long enough for it to take root. By the way, that, that lets you know that the devil is active in our world. Should you be scared of the devil? No. But he is active. And, and I think in context we can say this is obviously talking about the, the gospel of Jesus and the belief in salvation. But furthermore, after that, God is constantly speaking to us, is he not? He is constantly, in other words, sowing towards us. But if we don't receive and believe, the enemy is always working to blind our eyes to what God is up to. Initially in salvation and thereafter. So the first seeds that go out, God is sowing and he's doing something. But because of initial unbelief and not receiving, the enemy has the opportunity to take away that word from that person. That's what Jesus is saying. So God is active. The devil is active. And so is the knowledge of the word of God that is being sown. So not understanding, they miss what God is trying to do. So the devil is always working to blind the minds of unbelievers. He's always, by the way, how does the devil do this? Temptation, preoccupation with other things in life, uh, competing truths. You know, there's all sorts of things out there that, that the enemy can use to snatch away that seed. But the fact is, the seed is there and God is working and we must respond. So, again, this gets back to this thing. We've got to be people who are perceiving what God is up to. It means you have to listen, respond, and do something. We'll talk about that in a couple of stories here. So let's go to, back to verse number five. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. So correspondingly, verse 20. As for what was sown on the rocky ground... This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. I've seen this a lot over my years as a pastor. I've seen this a lot. Where people, uh, they, they receive this word with joy. Salvation, right? And, and it is a cause for actually great joy in their life. 
and, and they begin this process of, of, of growing in Jesus, right? And they begin to take root. But because there is no depth of it in their life, when persecution and trouble comes, it kind of withers away, and what was growing dies. They fall away. They stop following Jesus. They quit pursuing they quit doing what's necessary to grow. And, and by the way, that can, the, the persecution and troubles of life can be one of a trillion things. It could be literally persecution because of what they believe and then they fall away. It could literally be the troubles of life, just things that happen. They, or it could be uh, offense with somebody that, that's a Christian or the church. Or it could be a thousand things. But they, those situations cause them to, to lose the continued work of the Holy Spirit that drives the roots, that brings depth. So when the troubles come, so you got the birds steal the seed, now you got the sun, scorches it, and it dies. There's got to be a perseverance of growth in the Christian life. Or there's always the 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 there's always uh, the possibility that what has been growing in you is scorched away by the troubles of life. And I, and I, want, you to, I want you to sit around and think about people. And I'm sure you could tell me of people that you knew that were following Jesus and there was a the joy of it because of the forgiveness of sins and all these different things. And, and, and after a while, it just kind of off the edge. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Who's that between? That person and God. Because here's the deal. If, if you are in perseverance with the things that you know you need to be in perseverance within the kingdom, no matter the context of your life, you will continue to grow. And you can't place blame on somebody else for your situation. You can't place, pla can't place blame on, on a certain situation, a problem, a person, a group. It, it is on you. Because, by the way, when we, when we are in a place of judgment, you can't drag people there with you. You can't drag your past circumstance there with you. You, you can't. You remember in the garden, so, so uh, the serpent deceives Eve. Then Adam gets in on the deal. Remember God shows up? Who does God judge? Adam and Eve and the serpent. And the other two tried to blame shift the other way. Adam's like, well, it was the woman you put here with me. And Eve's like, it was the snake. And they're blaming, and God said, yeah, okay, you can't blame this your situation. I'm dealing with you, I'm dealing with you, and I'm dealing with you. You can't blame shift the way where, why you are the way you are. We all have a responsibility in the midst of persecution and troubles of life to continue to do what it means to grow the kingdom within us so the roots grow strong and deep and we're not short and withered when trouble comes. That's up to us and our personal relationship with God. Now, we do this together, right? But we got to do it individually also. 
All right, so we don't want to be the people who, who have the kingdom wither away and us because of the troubles of life. So you have to challenge yourself. When life gets crazy and life gets hard or life gets busy, don't stop doing what's necessary to grow the kingdom within you. Amen. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't, don't put it aside. Don't stop. Because there is the possibility of things withering away in your life. You've got to drive through. Amen? All right, let's get to the next soil. I know we, we could spend weeks on this parable. I know it, but we're just trying to get the basics of it today. So let's go back. Verse 7. So we have the seeds that never took root and were, were taken. We have the seeds that sort of grew but withered away. So here's another one. Verse 7. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. How many of y'all keep a garden and the weeds just get on your nerves? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so there, there are things in life that have an opportunity to choke away what God is trying to do in you. So verse 22, it's what Jesus says about it. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, I, I notice that he singles out the deceitfulness of riches there. The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Now, by the way, that, that word unfruitful, you realize the goal of the kingdom is to produce fruit in you? And the fruit is in keeping with what? The kingdom and who Jesus is? That we are produced a life that says we are growing in him and we're by him and we're for him and we produce a life that shows that. So the thorns that come up, they actually choke out the fruitfulness of what God is trying to produce and the fruit is good. So again, the worries of life, specifically the deceitfulness of wealth, these things have a way of making priority. They have a way of causing you to follow. They have a way of causing you to shift things in your life. Uh, the pleasures of life, it could be the pleasures of sin. This could be a lot of different things again. But again, God is growing something in you. And all these things of life, just, just kind of slow. It happens slowly, by the way. It's never a hostile takeover. Weeds are sneaky. Thorns are sneaky. They just have a way of growing, growing, growing. And before you know it, they just overtake the whole place. I've been out, I've been out in the woods hiking or, or hunting, and, and I try to go through a place, and you didn't, all of a sudden you just see it, all of a sudden you're like, you know what I'm saying? You're getting caught by the thorns. Yeah, I've never been there. Pain in my neck. Agitated. I just I start hacking away and chop them down, and they just grow right back. That's what they do. These things that have the opportunity to, to choke away the growth of the kingdom will always be growing around you trying to get in. You've got to protect what's in here. From the pleasures of sin to the cares of the world to very specifically the deceitfulness of chasing wealth and riches. 
that these things get in there and choke off what God is trying to do. So you have seeds that never took root, seeds that didn't have no depth, or seeds that grew, but then things that choked it out. In all three cases, negative. All three cases, it wasn't a good end. But then there is the soil, as Jesus says in the parable, verse number 8. But other seeds fell on good soil. You all are, are soil. So, in other words, he who has ears to hear right here, in other words, everybody has soil because everybody has the opportunity for the kingdom to grow in you. We're just made that way. So, so the goal is to have good soil. What is good soil? Good soil is receptive to the seed. And it's proper soil to grow. So, so a farmer, when they, if they go to purchase land, they'll do soil tests. They want to see if the soil is productive for growing something that will produce a harvest. If it's no good, they ain't going to buy it and they're not planting anything there, right? So is your soil good and receptive? That's the thing. Now, again, you can have receptive soil, but, but no depth and things still get scorched by the sun. Or you can have soil and have growth and then allow all sorts of junk to get in there and choke it off. But not just to have good soil, but then to tend to what is growing, you tend to it so the roots do grow, so there's depth. So when the, when the craziness of life happens, it doesn't get scorched and withers away. Or you tend to your garden. I, I know I told this story on a Wednesday. You were not here. You couldn't defend yourself. But we always do a garden. We'll probably put it in the next week or so. I told you a story because I said we do a garden, but that's not true. <laughs> I do a garden, and she takes claim for it. That's the way it works. So when it comes to the weeding, who weeds the garden? Let's be honest. I do. Okay. So, yeah, I'm the one out there with, I'm old school. I use a hoe a lot. You know, I, I like to do it that way and all that kind of stuff. If I wouldn't tend the garden, again, all sorts of stuff that's going to grow up there. And some of it actually may be harmful to the plants that we're trying to grow. So it's not just about having good soil. It's not just about pushing the depth of your roots, but it's also tending to it so the junk doesn't get in there and choke it off. Right? And as I know, it takes some work. See, you'll join with me this summer, right? We'll partner together. This bump, come on. In front of everybody. See, she's not even going to do it. She knows better. She, she, she knew she knew she'd have just lied to the whole lot of you if she said she would have. She'd have lied. It, it, you know, I'm out there at that garden every day. Really. Actually, my daughter hopes she's not here. She had prom last night, and it was like she didn't get into like I don't know what ungodly hour. But anyways, she's not here today. I was talking to her just like a month ago. I said, "Hey, some, we were talking about planting the garden because we know it's coming up." And she said, "I'm never going to have garden." <laughs> I said, "Why not?" She goes, "Because I see everything you have to do to keep that thing. I ain't doing it." She knows it takes work because she sees me out there working at it, watering it, and pulling weeds, and then fighting those stupid green worms that eat the tomatoes. I don't know what they are. But, you know, she sees me doing all that stuff, right? And she's like, I want no part of that business out there. That's just work. 
it takes some work to guard what's growing in your life. You have to tend to the work of the kingdom. How do we do it? Prayer, word, worship, church. You see what I'm saying? The things, that the avenues that God has given us to grow this. Here's what happens then. When the good soil with the good seed, it fell in good soil, verse 8, and produced a grain, some hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. So verse 23, this is what Jesus says about that. As for what was sown on good soil, this is one who hears the word and understands it, so it receives it. And he indeed bears fruit and yields, and in one case a hundred, another sixty, another thirty. Now, I've heard a lot of teaching about hundred, sixty, and thirty fold. I do not believe contextually that Jesus is using those as, as hard numbers that you try to go by with things. He's just throwing out that there's different levels of harvest. I've heard teaching about giving. Well, if you have a little faith, you'll get a 30 return on your giving, and then you have a little bit more. Nah, psh. It's just general, this is the way the kingdom works, and there's different levels of harvest. Right? But that's okay because it's all harvestable. Right? Well, so some of y'all have been a Christian forever, and you've been growing in the kingdom for so There's a hundredfold return coming in the harvest for God, because the sower's going to come and harvest what he's, what he's sown, right? There's some of y'all been saved for two weeks, and you're just getting going, but you're producing a harvest. That's harvestable. The sower can harvest that. There, there's some people, because the conditions of life, you know, growing in Jesus wasn't really that hard. It's hard, it's hard. But, but some people just struggle. They're coming out of things that life was hard, and they're coming out of struggles, and, and you know, that's harvestable. Don't matter what level, if we're growing in harvest, it's all harvestable by the one who sows. That's the goal. The goal is to receive it, that there's depth in the roots that you tend to your garden so it's not getting all ingrown with a bunch of junk. Then at some point, and by the way, now, but also when he returns, the harvest of the kingdom is happening. The fruit that we are supposed to be producing because we follow Jesus it's happening. Amen? So, that's how the kingdom works. God is always sowing. Are you perceiving? Are you receiving and understanding? Are you doing what's necessary to grow it? Are you keeping the garden clean? That's the kingdom. Because the kingdom of God is within you. Amen? So let's be people of the kingdom and produce fruit. Let's work at this. Let's see what God can do in us, then through us and around us. Amen? That's how the kingdom of God works. All right. We're going to pray, and, and we're going to close out with communion today. So while I'm praying, ushers, you guys can come down and get the tables ready. Lord, I thank you for an opportunity just to spend time in your word and get a picture of the kingdom. It grows like a seed within us and the nature of how that works. That we are people of the kingdom. That we are growing in you. That, that the root system of the kingdom is growing deeper and stronger within us. That you give us wisdom to watch out for the things that would choke out what, what you're growing in us. And that we do produce fruit. The fruit is harvestable by you.
God, and we thank you for that. That we are people who are growing and maturing and producing in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. For your glory, Jesus. So if you would this morning, if you would, would stand up and, and come down and grab the elements. and can, You can stay down here, by the way, at the altar if you want. You can go back to your seat. It don't matter to me. Trying to, trying to get us to go down the side so we don't clog up the middle and bump grace juice all over each other. kingdom is like a seed that's sown. But you know, a seed that breaks open in kind of a certain way is a death that brings life, changes. So it's like the crucifixion of Jesus was the same way. Something was broken and something died in order to bring new life. Amen. We partake today this is the high point of our, our day today in remembrance of, of what Jesus has done for us. So, Lord, we thank you for your bodily sacrifice on that cross. Broken body in our place. The punishment of sin, the which is death itself. The result of sin, death of the physical body. That you willingly went to the cross for us. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you so much for what you have done for us. And today we partake of the bread in remembrance of your broken body. Let's partake together. Broken body was the avenue for shed blood. shedding of blood for the forgiveness, the remission of our sins.
because ultimately the bodily death only brought forgiveness because of the shedding of that blood. So body in our place, blood for our forgiveness. For what can wash away our sins? Nothing, absolutely nothing. Nothing, nothing can even get close, nothing but the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the shedding of your blood, the finality of your sacrifice. And within it, we stand. So we take the cup together in remembrance of the shedding of your blood. Let's partake together. So just for a moment, just, just for a moment, just, just raise your hands up and thank him for what he's done for you. Remember the forgiveness of your sins. Remember of new life, new creation within you. We thank you, Jesus. And we praise you, Jesus, for that. The forgiveness of my sins, Lord, the forgiveness of our sins. We thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and you are the only way to restore and right and redeem relationship with our Father God. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for being with us today. Here's how I'm going to close out. Uh, just something I thought in my heart earlier this week. If you, if you are in a spot where you are in, are in financial need, Margaret and I want to pray with you before you go today. So just make your way down here and we'll pray with you. But if not, you are dismissed today. We'll see you Wednesday night. By financial need, we want to pray with you, so come on down. But be blessed as you go. We'll see you Wednesday night or next Sunday morning. Love somebody on the way out.